if you have aging parents Mm -hmm. or someone in your life with chronic illness, sometimes hearing about the loss of someone else in a similar circumstance can be really scary and and can kind of unearth some of those fears you might have. So definitely. Right. Um, But I do also want to note that if you're in, uh, if you're experiencing grief right now and you're, you're in a state where you're not functioning well Mm -hmm. in your day-to-day life, Mm -hmm. that again, there is no shame. There is no church teaching that will tell Mm -hmm. you that you can't seek professional support be it through a counselor or a therapist or through medication or some combination right. of the two. Um, it's it's so, so, so important that we care for ourselves, especially as parents, mm-hmm. especially as we grieve, because we want to model a healthy way of living through that experience for our children. Welcome to Beyond Sunday, a podcast for parents like us striving to weave that Lenten, oh, Lenten Sunday mm-hmm. experience into the everyday moments of our week. I'm your co-host, Nicole Joyce. And I'm your other co-host, Rocky McCormick. You know what? Pull up a chair, come close, even though you can't be here at the table, and join us as we talk, laugh, and cry about our experiences raising Catholic families and discovering God in our everyday lives. True confessions, Nicole. Are you a crier? I am not a crier. Hmm. Yeah, I. I mean, it takes a lot to make me cry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say I'm probably not a public crier. Like mm-hmm. I, I will choke back those tears to the best of my ability, and um, I will say also interesting note. Like after my dad died, between the time when my dad died and the time when my oldest was born. My mom made an interesting note when she came to visit when my oldest was born that she had never seen me cry since that moment when he died to when my child was born. And how, like, how long of a time span? You want me to do math now? I mean, I I need a little bit. A little bit of math. Okay, so it would be 2010 minus 1997. So whatever that is, that is a long. It was a long time, and that doesn't mean I didn't cry, but it was very like private. Yes. So there was no public demonstration of so weeping. Are you, are you a crier like in other circumstances, like a sad movie? You know, I get that choked kind up, but I don't normally okay. find myself crying. Crying. Neither am I. I. It takes a lot for me to cry, unless mm. I'm like you know, feeling extremely hormonal. Like while pregnant, oh, well, fair I was enough. definitely a crier. Yes. Um, I think I cried watching Cars, <laughs> the Pixar film. Very sad. <laughs> when I Poor was pregnant McQueen. with one of my kids. Um, and like Toy Story and stuff too got me when I was pregnant. But but yeah, generally if I cry, it's like a very emotional experience, such as suffering a loss or mm-hmm. sometimes it's like something our pastor will say in a homily, he's a crier. So mm-hmm. sometimes he might like kind of choke up for a minute and then our that'll deacon. get me going yeah. because, and it's not like that I'm sad or anything. It's just that I really feel that emotion the empathy. too. Yes. Yeah, the empathy. Mm-hmm. I could see that. You know what? I think for me, the, the personal grief and loss gets buried because life demands it Yeah, a lot of times. So I find that it gets repressed. So it's maybe not so much that I'm not a crier, but there's just always something else to do. And I yes. don't give myself the luxury of the time to be able to sit down and actually let those emotions out, which I don't recommend. Yeah, mm, but is kind of just how I'm I'm built, and then it all comes out in the hormonal moments, like the last four months of everything I hold in in that 
time. And yeah. my husband is like, I, I don't know what he to wasn't do with prepared this. for that <laughs> right. deluge of no. feelings. And then that one time. <laughs> Also, I feel like my oldest now makes up for that with the, with the emotions. So kind of need to keep things a little bit level in the house for his sake. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I believe you. I see. So if you haven't guessed today, friends, we're, we are talking about this experience of, of grief and loss because our gospel that you're going to hear this coming Sunday is about Lazarus mm. and, and that one so touching and so important line that Jesus wept. Right. And, you know, we know this is a sensitive topic for a lot of you, so we want to let you know ahead of time that that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, but but I think it's so important because we are getting ever closer to Holy Week and mm-hmm. ever closer to the Triduum and to Easter, and we can't have a resurrection without a death first. Right. And, I mean, if we just take a look at what's going on in the world, there is just so much trauma and grief and loss and... You know, don't do what Rocky does. Don't repress it. <laughs> let's take a look at how to, maybe let's talk about how we as mothers, as women, as men, as adults in the Christian Catholic faith can meet that grief in a healthy way. Yeah. And, you know, I just yesterday was um, in the sacristy after mass taking mm-hmm. care of some stuff at church and and the, the pastor and I were talking about what a strange week it had been mm. the week leading up to um and and how you know the the church had seen uh, my parish had seen some people come in requesting a funeral for mm. someone who had passed away during covid yeah. and it you know and he was like wow th- well this is this is definitely like the farthest out right. obviously so far and i said you know i've received some calls recently too from yeah. people um, wanting to come to like our Lenten small group for parents who've mm-hmm. lost a child, for example. And and I just got a call yesterday from uh, a woman whose daughter was 50 when she passed away. Mm-hmm. And she passed away in 2019, you know, and she just, yeah. she said, I just realized that I have never really come to terms with my loss. And so we were just talking yesterday in the sacristy about how um, this experience of the pandemic mm-hmm. has, number one, uh, led to a lot of us burying grief or just not allowing ourselves to feel it because we were really in like kind of a weird we were in survival mode yeah and we kept waiting for it to just be over um and and then also people who had already buried grief from even before the pandemic yeah now it's all coming out right it's all compounded it's one thing over yes it's layers we're just pressing all that down into and eventually you explode and we need to not explode yeah right yeah and it's been a rough couple weeks for our parish as well with Mm -hmm. the shootings at michigan state um you know we buried one of the children from Mm -hmm. our parish and our staff was talking after the fact and you go into survival mode you go into business mode and you go into we have to empathize and be there and support Mm-hmm. But we're still surrounded by the grief and the loss, and that rears itself in strange ways if we don't bring it out into the light. Yes, yes. And I'm going to go on on a limb here and say mm-hmm. that we probably have a significant number of parents who listen who are proactive in some way, that yes. you're you're listening because you like thinking about how to how to do this well, how to live mm-hmm. the Sunday experience, how to be liturgical in your homes and build your domestic church. And so you're you might be a little bit of a planner even. Um and did did we have to go back to the planner? <laughs> we always have to go back to the planner. <laughs> <laughs> and and how much that impacts um our default position when we are mm-hmm. in a moment 
of crisis or in a moment of of grief because we yeah. always are going to default to the thing we know so if we're right. planning kind of people if we're yeah you know those type a type of personalities that's what we're going to fall back on is the right. busyness and and so i i think it's important that we talk about how number one how mary and martha experienced this oh, loss yeah. and also to acknowledge that jesus did take take time to grieve that he did weep, he did he, i mean he he is the creator. He he can bring anybody back to life. And he mm. knew. He knew the end of the story wasn't that Lazarus was dead. Right. And yet he still entered into that grief. Mm-hmm. Because in that moment, he was. Yes. And, and, and Mary and Martha knew who Jesus was. Right. They knew why he had come. They, mm-hmm. they knew the whole story, too. Like, they, they were very aware of it. And still, they both at, at separate times said, Lord, if you had been here. If you'd been here, my brother would still be alive. Right. And how many of us, I don't know that I know of anyone who hasn't cried out to God in anger. And I love that Mary and Martha make that okay. Yes. Like that example, they intimately love the Lord. Like no one would say Mary and Martha doubt the Lord or don't believe, don't (laughs) love the Lord. But yet they're like, if you had been here. And how many times do we cry out? Like, I don't get it. Like if you are who you say you are. Yeah. Why is this happening? Like, why us? Why now? Why so much? Yeah. Um, you know, it reminds me of St. Teresa of Avila. Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I think we've all kind of been in those moments. Uh, and, and it's beautiful that we have the freedom. Yeah, you know, I um, I am not sadly unfamiliar with with loss, my my husband and I, I, I don't think I've talked about this on this show before, but definitely in other areas, but my husband and I um, have have lost three children to miscarriage and stillbirth. Oh, um, and our, our most recent loss, um, our son Max Colby uh, was stillborn about five years ago. Mm. And um, I remember being in the hospital to, to deliver him, you know, having to go in. Um, and the, the hospital chaplain coming in and offering the Eucharist to us and having this moment like no i don't want that yeah you know because it's such a um instinctual move for some of us who are already kind of defensive people to yeah (laughs) to be like i don't want anybody in this this is mine yeah this is my grief and i want to feel it the way i Mm want to feel and i don't and you're not invited and so it it was it, it was very um it was very eye-opening to reflect on it afterwards but in that moment my thought was I don't want him in this this is this is mine and I'm still really hurting from this Mm -hmm. you know I'm really grieving from this and my husband um God bless him looked at me and was like no we're gonna we're gonna do this right and so he went first and he he received the Eucharist and then I came afterwards and and you know weeks and, and months and now years later I look back on that and I'm so thankful that that he and I were able to share in the Eucharistic feast with our son before before he was delivered and before we buried him. And so it, it ended oh. up being such a gift. Um, but at the time, oh, yeah. all I was thinking was, I don't I don't want God in this. I don't want him to be part of this. Well, you get closed off in your pain yes. and you close yourself off to the things that are good for you. What a beautiful gift your husband was in that moment to be able to take you to what he knew you needed. Yes. And then, you know, reading this gospel that is coming up this Sunday and, and hearing Martha and Mary say, Lord, if you had been here, yeah. I remember thinking that, right? Like, if you had Who been doesn't? here... But then, you know, I think it was three years later talking with another parent who Mm -hmm. had lost a child in a similar way, um, saying, now I see where he was. He was here. Right. Right. But I was so blinded by 
my pain and 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 sorrow that I I just did not want to acknowledge that and I didn't want him to be there but he was yeah. there and I well, think that was that was my really big uh, takeaway from reflecting on the gospels we approached the Sunday mm. was just that he is there mm-hmm. and whether or not we want to acknowledge it now or maybe we'll be able to later mm-hmm. if we give ourselves the space to experience the grief yeah. always remember to come back to that later when when you are ready yes <laughs> And, and say, like, what, where, where were you in that? Yeah. You know, that little bit of theological reflection is always so, I don't, I don't think you can ever go wrong looking back and looking for that. No. No, and I think to, to give ourselves permission to go through the motions we need to go through. Yes. Like, I don't think we should force ourselves to that point because mm-hmm. God is there. Mm-hmm. Whether we're turning to him or not, whether we can let him in or not, whether we can receive him or not. He is there. He is weeping with us. He is holding us. And so I think that there is sometimes a tendency in the church to be like, it is well with my soul. And I like to, (laughs) I'm more of a Julian of Norwich that all shall be well. Mm. It will be well with my soul, but we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also such an important witness for our children. You know, we don't want to burden them with our grief a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And certainly they should not be our caretakers Mm -hmm. in in those moments. But there is something so powerful about them witnessing us living through those natural feelings and emotions. And death is an inevitable part of life. Yes. And we have to model for them what... Whether it's their pet fish. Yeah, that, that it's okay <laughs> right? to be sad. Yeah. That it's okay to have feelings. And that's normal mm-hmm. to be sad. Yeah. That grief is an outpouring of love. You don't grieve the things you didn't love. And yeah. so this is just an expression of love for somebody you don't get to see in a physical sense right now. Yeah. And we definitely don't want to be modeling the opposite of that, right? Which is like right. complete repression and... No, it's so unhealthy. <laughs> avoidance and... <laughs> and it rears its head in, in ugly ways yes. later. Yes. Right? So... I do think like within measure, it's such a beautiful model for our children, for us to be able to both share our sadness and our grief appropriately, but then to walk them through theirs. And so for me, that was, I think, most, um, I think that that became most clear as I was reflecting back, because (laughs) that that is where we discover where God was. Sometimes we don't see that in the moment, but the difference between when I lost my dad and I was single and a young adult and to when I lost my mom over COVID when I had three children who were also grieving Mm. and how different the losses were and how different it was to process and work through those things and to be honest how much better I dealt with the second loss not because loss was familiar to me although yes I'd, I'd been through the emotions but because I was responsible to someone else Yes, that that sense of needing to care for the other people who mm-hmm. are sharing in in your grief mm-hmm. is is almost I don't want to say empowering. It is um it is sustaining almost because yeah. you do have this role to play in a bigger picture than just yourself. Well, yeah, and I've written a little bit about this too. I think sometimes we get isolated in our grief like you're saying it's mine, but really it's a communal thing. And the fact is that we don't have to be completely a strong tower for our children, that we can journey together through grief. Yes. And how we do that will look differently based on our relationship with the person, mm-hmm. but that it is a communal journey. Yes. And as they, as our children get older, 
mm-hmm. they will really appreciate that you were open with them about those complexities yeah. of grief. You know, my older um, children definitely have that sense, and they will ask really thoughtful questions about that. We are very famous for not very famous. <laughs> we're, we're minimally famous, almost famous for for our breakfast theology discussions, where it's six o'clock in the morning oh and I'm gosh. like three sips of coffee in, and they ask a very deep question, yeah. and. Um, and one of the questions they will ask sometimes at the most random times will be something like, do you, do you miss Max? Do you miss oh. Max? Do you, do you remember, you know, he's in heaven, right? Like I, yeah. he can pray for me. Yeah. And so we, we do still have those conversations and we do still talk about how complex it is that you can see something that will remind you of that person mm-hmm. and you'll have a moment of sadness and that that's okay. Because yeah. when they're really small, yeah, we always think of everything in like very, um, linear mm-hmm. processes right like mm-hmm. i'm sad and then I, I i fall down i get hurt and i'm sad and i cry and then i get a band-aid and mom kisses my boo-boo and now i'm fine right and so like we we tend to think that everything in life is going to be like that when we're small because that's just how our brains are sure are reflecting on things but as they get older they start to realize that it is not no <laughs> linear and our, our brains and, and our emotions seek order we seek order. We want that. Yeah, we, we very it. much want it. <laughs> yes. But grief doesn't work that way. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't. It so can for be 27 years later and something will remind yeah, so me of someone. That, I think that's so helpful for your kids yeah. to have witnessed that and say, okay, yeah. some days were good, some that's days were harder, not. and it was okay. Yeah. And and I know my mom still loves me, and she still has her faith, and she yeah. still, yes. Well, and what a beautiful thing, like, my oldest sometimes isn't super interested in coming to mass, but like being able to share with her, like, do you know that at the mass is the time when the whole mystical body of the church is one, mm. like all present. So yes, we miss Dita. That's what they called my mom. But if we come to the mass, we're all there together. You might not see her, mm-hmm. but she's there. Yeah. Like what a beautiful gift the church has for mm-hmm. us. And truly, like the the rituals of grieving, I think was the hardest in COVID because we couldn't enter into those rituals. But what it made me realize is how beautiful those rituals of grieving are in helping us to reflect on how God is present and Mm. to be present for one another and to help us go through the motions of our grief. Mm. There is a beautiful theology of suffering in Jesus Christ through the Catholic Church. Yes. You know, St. Pope John Paul II, gosh, if his pontificate wasn't that beautiful witness yes to the power of redemptive suffering mm-hmm. and of grief and loss and how that can be redemptive so and jesus is such a good model for us you know he yeah. did he did grieve he wept yeah right he went and he and he was with his friends and he he was there to comfort and mm-hmm. and to mourn with them and then and then he gives us this glimpse of this promise right that we know we all, all right. get to share in in the future and i think that is what we can cling to but we don't want to sound trite when we say no. that you know but but it is true and i think the farther out we get from the grief the more we're able to really sit with that promise yeah. um and find comfort in it and then we can start to see his hand in terms of the bigger picture because mm-hmm. i think sometimes too we get so focused on our loss that we don't necessarily see the hand of God at work in the bigger picture. Oh, yeah. Even when it's a tragic loss, certainly God does not desire that. Mm-hmm. But he is a God of goodness, and, and he brings goodness out of even the worst of circumstances. And I, I think when we surround ourselves with a community that uplifts us, that keeps us grounded in that promise, that as we begin to heal a little by little by little, we can begin to see how God is bringing goodness out of those things or how 
like in the case of my dad, maybe like a year later, I could see how his loss was actually an act of mercy toward him while it was devastating for my mom and I. Yes. And so it yes. calls us into that selfless love mm-hmm. of the other. And there's such a need for that, especially now, mm-hmm. because the number of people who've lost a loved one to COVID is just, yeah, it's astounding. Right. And, and we, we've, all, we've all been touched by, the, by a loss of some kind or another, right. especially in these last few years. But, mm-hmm. but the, the instinct to go into isolation and the instinct to push everybody out is something that we really, it's okay to have that, but, but I think our goal should always be to seek out some community and and if you're listening and you've experienced lost yourself and you still haven't reached out don't don't be afraid no. to reach out we you know and and if you have experienced loss and you you're kind of like on the other side of it so to speak <laughs> i i would encourage you to consider how you can be a minister of accompaniment to someone who is in a moment of grief right now and i i can't express enough how healing it is mm-hmm. um to be on the other side of your own loss and then to walk with someone else who has experienced something similar. It's just such a gift Mm -hmm. to be able to reflect back on where Jesus was in your own experience and and to be able to help them find it in theirs. Right. And what a gift it is to them when they can't see Jesus, that you are his presence. Yes. Yes. Right. Because we're called to be his presence to one another. (laughs) And also on the other side of loss to be that gift where you can just sit with that person. You don't have to make it okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the biggest gifts that many of our friends were to us is that they were just there. Oh, yeah. Those those they were small just gestures, right? right? Like, here's some muffins. Here's yeah. a meal. Here's we're we're praying for you. We, 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 we prayed for you at Mass. We prayed mm-hmm. a rosary. Those, those small gestures mean so much. Right. Or even, I'll come just sit with you. If you need to sob, sob. I'll mm-hmm. bring tissues. I'll put away your laundry. Well, actually, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Maybe don't do that. I don't, I don't you know, <laughs> yeah. but to, yeah, to yeah. acknowledge like yeah. that. I don't have all the answers, right? but I, I have me and I'm here and exactly. I'm with you. Like our presence, just our presence alone. Yes. Or even to cry with them, mm-hmm. to cry with them, to be vulnerable with them. You know, I remember my mom died right on the cusp of Good Friday and, and Holy Saturday. And so in all of that, I hadn't had a chance to get all our kids Easter baskets ready and all of that. And I have this lovely creative community that has come together online and so they knew and one of them orchestrated gift baskets and through the mail like every couple days there would be a little Easter gift for my kids and some money for groceries for us and just what a beautiful gift that was and how loved they felt Mm -hmm. from people they didn't even know yes but who had a connection to us because we're one body in Christ yes that's beautiful yeah, so there are creative ways that we can support one another too, and you know it's okay if grief makes you uncomfortable. I want to I want to put that out there too. Mm. It's not a comfortable topic at all. It yes. isn't. It isn't. So there's no shame in in grief making you uncomfortable because it does also force you to kind of face your own mortality. Yes, yes. So absolutely, and and if you have aging parents mm-hmm. or someone in your life with chronic illness, sometimes hearing about the loss of someone else in a similar circumstance yeah. can be really scary it can. And, and can kind of unearth some of those fears you might have so definitely right um but i do also want to note that if you're in uh if you're experiencing grief right now and you're you're in a state where you're not functioning well mm-hmm. in your day-to-day life mm-hmm. that again there is no shame there is no church teaching that will tell mm-hmm. you that you can't seek professional support 
be it mm-hmm. through a counselor or a therapist or through medication or uh, some combination right. of the two. Um, it's it's so, so, so important that we care for ourselves, especially as parents, mm-hmm. especially as we grieve, because we want to model a healthy way of living through that experience for our children. And, and we can't do that if if we're if we're so overcome that right. we're not we're not operating on a regular daily functional right. level. And and not just as the church not teach that we can't do that, but truly God wants that for us. Yes. He wants us to be fully functioning. He and, came so that right, we could have, have life. Abundant yes. life. Yes. And if that takes a little help from time to time, that that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a lack of faith. Yes. Amen. So yeah. Well, as we are approaching this uh, this this Sunday, and we we hear this story of Lazarus, and, and we hear Jesus weep, um, I want to encourage you to look at the family prayer in Fifty Two Sundays on Fifty Two Sundays dot com about coming together as a family and praying for someone you know, a, a friend, a family mm-hmm. member who's died, um, and how important it is that you share with your children that there's nothing. Um, there's nothing to be afraid of in grief. That it's okay to yeah. be sad. And if your if your family's never experienced a loss like that, but maybe you know someone or a friend of a friend, I think that's a good place to start to have that conversation, and and to be remembering that as church, mm-hmm. we are all committed to to praying for those we've lost, to praying for Absolutely. them. We, we we want them to be in heaven when we get there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, our family and some of my classes have started praying for the holy souls in purgatory mm, and those yes. dead who have no one to pray for them. Archbishop actually started asking for that at the end of last year that we as church come together and pray for the holy souls in purgatory. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful way for us to bring um, our families together, especially as we get closer and closer to the Triduum. Yeah. And if you have littles, they're going to be asking you questions about why Jesus had to die. Oh my goodness. And how right? sad it is that <laughs> Jesus had to die. And so the more we can give them these, um, these, I guess I could call them tools, these practices, these rituals that help us um, remember that we've lost someone, but also to look forward to the resurrection and to eternal life, um, the better we are equipped to handle those moments of deep sorrow and and grief. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to this Debbie Downer episode (laughs) of Beyond Sunday. We are so grateful for this community and for the privilege to join you on this journey as we get closer to the joy of the resurrection at Easter. You can find more episodes at 52sundays.com slash podcast or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.